Hi everyone, welcome to episode 5 of DevOps Squared. Following on from our conversation last week on culture, this week please welcome Will Hall who is a DevOps consultant with HeliCloud and we'll be discussing maturity in the DevOps space. Okay, thanks Will for coming on as a guest. So first of all, we're going to be discussing maturity in DevOps, which I know is a, a topic that a few people on Twitter have told me that is something they would like to know more about for starters. Um, so definitely going to be an interesting conversation. I know there's not potentially a huge amount of material out on the internet about this, so it should be good. Um, so just before we get into the podcast, um, Will, if you just want to give us a quick intro to yourself, uh, just go through what your role is uh, and a little bit about your career today. Super. Well, well, firstly, thanks for inviting me on and I uh, hope we're going to have a, a good time today. Um, in terms of in terms of me, my role at the moment is is a DevOps consultant. I've been involved in IT and I think I've done most roles in that. Um, so I've been support and I've been a database administrator. I've been a software engineer. I've been an architect and uh, I'm now a DevOps consultant. And that's over the last 15 years. Uh, working in, in small businesses, I've run a run a small business. I've worked in large multinational companies, um, and and kind of in a in a range of different roles. So that's kind of a bit of the the background to me um, and my experience. At the moment, I'm also uh, a GitLab hero and a Docker community leader, whilst also working alongside HashiCorp um, to help implement some uh, services for them and. Um, my company, well, the company I work for, which is HeliCloud, has uh, literally today just become an AWS premier partner. So we're also deep into AWS world and delivering solutions on that. So that's kind of a bit of my, my background, really. Okay, great. Well, well, first of all, congratulations on becoming a, a premier partner with uh, AWS. It's a, it's a great achievement. Uh, and just before we uh, go into uh, some of the the details on this a little bit. Um, you mentioned that you just become a, a GitLab hero. Uh, sorry, you you are a GitLab hero, rather. Um, yeah. You just want to tell people a little bit about what that is and what what that means. So, largely being a GitLab hero is being a bit of a community evangelist. So, I work both with GitLab and I have done some work on behalf of GitLab at different events, kind of talking about GitLab's products. Um, and their services that they offer in, inside the GitLab package. Um, and I also uh, co-organize the London meetup group and speak uh, at, at that as well. So I've kind of got, got, got dual roles, but it's mainly about community evangelism of, of GitLab as a, as a product. Okay, perfect. So, so in essence, really, it's like a, you know, a lot of the other community programs, like if you're into the Microsoft world, the Microsoft MVP program that recognizes people that put time back into the community alongside their, their day job, effectively. Yeah, exactly like that. Okay, great. Well, it's, it's always uh, good to speak to people who, who like to give back to the community. It's definitely what we're trying to do with, with people with this podcast as well. Um so um, I, I want to kick off, first of all, by asking the question that I always um, am starting with. Um, we're only five episodes in, but I, I've always asked this question first. Um, just to show people that 
basically all of the experts and all of the SMEs in the field have a you know a different understanding and a different meaning to them of what DevOps is and, and I, I basically want to get across that that's okay and that there are lots of different meanings and it means something different to lots and lots of people so you know if we can if we can start off with what does DevOps mean to you? So in terms of what DevOps mean to me I think that to, to not be too controversial it's actually become a bit of a marketing term for for a niche set of 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 theories that kind of underpin what we do very similar to our how i think kind of cloud native is a marketing term around doing kind of cloud engineering and and some parts with software development that are specifically for the cloud so i always try and tie devops back to what i think the core theories of it are and that we're largely looking at doing process improvement putting everything into code and then automating it and hopefully in that process we start to deliver visibility, understanding and, and transparency to, to others so that we're opening up those communication channels. Now, there's lots of things about kind of different techniques that we use to, to deliver it. So continuous integration and delivery and infrastructure as code and kind of release management and containerization all become bundled up as kind of techniques that are trying to deliver those theories. And if we were to talk from a kind of external um perspective there's often a lot of focus on tools such as you know we have terraform and we have uh, running gitlab ci or we have jenkins or we have um, i know harness or any kind of tools that we're, we're looking at but but i think that they're all attempting to deliver these high level theories and that's what i normally try and stick to when people talk to me about devops is try not to focus on the tools or the techniques that you want but try and focus on the the theories that underpin them you know getting everything into code being able to automate things and and delivering that visibility and understanding to to others to to the wider product team mm. yeah that's that's a really good um explanation and and actually lands up pretty broadly with, with stuff i talk about as as well um about technology being very much one of the last things that you um focus on it in your you know to quote another piece of terminology i guess marketing terminology is um you know devops journey and head up that kind of stuff and I, I yeah i really like when you when you touch on core theories like process automation um because if you think about it fundamentally that you know exactly like you say those are the key things that we're actually looking to um achieve it just happens to be that we use certain bits of tooling to be able to uh, achieve that going forward uh, and i i quite like that link really and i, I like where that link comes into something like lean um where, where Lean's actually been around for a long, long time and started in the manufacturing industry and, and ultimately has led to the the automation of the production line. And, it, you know, you think about some of the other concepts in DevOps, like Shift Left, yeah. uh, which we'll actually discuss in next week. You know, no, Lean and the manufacturing industry and the automated production line is the ultimate Shift Left. It's gone to a robot. Um, at the end of the day, for, away from a human completely, uh, and I really think that you know the best way to describe DevOps is talking about those fundamentals and trying to decouple it from technology. And I've actually been doing some work recently in some articles that I've been writing around 
uh, applying DevOps outside of a technology world and the applications of it and, and why it can still help non-technical organizations, non-technical departments. So, yeah, I, I really like that as being a good way um, to describe it. And, and yeah, <laughs> if, if, you, uh, if you've ever heard me talk about security in DevOps and DevSecOps, I, I basically say exactly the same thing about it being a marketing terminology and it's actually always been there this just puts more of a focus on it etc um etc well i think um, as as different areas grow the need to define those niches arises you know if we, if we think uh, at a broader level i work in it um yeah. at, a, at a more defined level well i kind of work in cloud it mainly but i branch off into other things and then i i in a more niche level, I work in DevOps, and and you could say in a more niche level, I maybe work doing a lot of infrastructure as code and continuous integration and delivery inside DevOps, inside uh, cloud, inside IT, which tries to deliver some value. And I think that's that's uh, just trying to apply those niches and and get some definition around them is is where the the term DevOps comes from. Yeah, I can I completely agree. At the end of the day. Um, you, you know, it's nothing new, is it? You know, someone someone way back didn't think of all this stuff and put it together and call it DevOps. Someone, you know, took took existing processes, existing teams, existing ways of working and put them together and said, you know, if you do all of this together, then this is this is DevOps. But doing this all together adds all of this value and adds all of this um, benefit to your organisation. So it was it was never anything new, really. As most ideas. Art, quite frankly there's only very few ideas that are, are brand new there's a lot of things that build upon existing existing ideas and existing things yeah um so so let's that's really good let's let's start to um dive into maturity as a as a topic now so you know measuring maturity and, and understanding maturity and, and why it's important is basically where we're going with this um discussion but just as a you know starter for, for tanks i know this is something that most people will, will likely never have, have heard of can, can you just explain a little bit about what we mean by devops maturity and why it's so important so normally when i start to talk about um, maturity to people we look at how far they've got with adopting different parts of those techniques or or culture or, or the kind of community or their organization around delivering those those devops theories and they're very complementary so um, if we were to look look at techniques you know infrastructure of code goes really well when you put it with continuous integration or when you put it with secrets management um, and similarly if we were looking at an organizational aspect we can say well we're going to need some kind of product teams to own this process because we expect the process to be improved on by a, a product team, so in kind of a, a cultural organization way. Um, or if we're looking at kind of how we're going to, to build a community where people are willing to share resources internally and build on that uh, internally as well. And so are we building a community internally of our, of our company of uh, development excellence or and how we can look at DevOps as, as, as playing a role inside that maturity and and all of these aspects normally come together for me i i kind of go into companies and and, and look to do an assessment and that's normally based on technique adoption so we, we see how far they've gone with different aspects of 
you know, how far have you gone with infrastructure as code? How far do you effectively use containerization and, and cloud native tools? How far have you got, are you managing secrets? And, and then I'll say they're all complementary, but it's very much uh, a technique adoption because that's something that businesses can directly tie value to. But that there's there's a lot more to do with maturity. And then we kind of look at you cannot get there without some experience as well. So to get experience, there's two ways you build experience internally or you try and buy experience in. So all of these things contribute to an, an overall maturity kind of level that people go through. And I think there's some things that you can buy in as tools. I think there's some things you can buy in as people. And I think there's some bits that you have to build for yourselves. Um, and that all helps to understand where you are on this maturity scale um, that, that doesn't, that, you know, exists kind of uh, without without clear numbers. But it normally becomes clear after a couple of weeks of where people are positioned and where they're looking to get to as well. Um, because this is not a, there's not really a finite uh, destination. There is only a journey of, you know, delivering these um, repeated improvements. Mm, okay. Um, okay, that's, it's really good. So, so I guess, you know, one, one of the things it's basically aiming to do is for, you know, for organizations that are, uh, you know, like I say, on, on that DevOps journey, um, I certainly know from experience quite often, um, when you work at a specific organization and you don't have the, the luxury of working for, you know, a consultancy company or a service provider like we, we both, um, have or you still, you still do, yeah. um, it's very difficult to be able to know how you're doing against what other organizations are doing. Um, even when you attend networking events like conferences or use groups, so I, I think I still think it's very difficult for someone that works at, you know, organization A to go up to someone who works at organization B and say, "Tell me everything you're doing in DevOps," because I want to know whether we're on the right track or not. So, so this assessment really and this this um, package of work, I guess, that you ultimately deliver, um, goes to answer some of those questions for some uh, for an organization that you would go to. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 aimed at trying to get an assessment of of how far the organisation is in implementing different points in terms of you know mm. if we were to look at infrastructure as code and, and configuration management, kind of lots of lots of people used to have this idea of having like a golden image that we're going to deploy, and then those images slightly changed how they wanted to do them, so they started to bring in, I think like ten years or. Eight, eight, ten years ago, they started bringing configuration management. Um, my my first introduction was using Ansible, and I thought, well, this is amazing. I've gone from golden images to being able to to kind of build far easier structures to repeat them. And then you kind of move to to running mutable infrastructure, probably with building out some some configuration management, and and you might start to deploy some uh, infrastructure as code. And as you kind of move further, you've got you know where we, we're building our infrastructure only in a part of a process and maybe we'll get to immutable infrastructure and, and towards the end, are we getting to something that's similar to, I've used the phrase autonomous infrastructure. What I'm Im imagining in that is that in an ideal scenario, we have a request for some compute and our request for some compute is satisfied by something else. So we're as pure mm -hmm. pay as you go, you know, we're similar to, to 
Lambda or something like that, or or where we're running um, Kubernetes as, ju- as just a way of distributing compute to people, and and then we can kind of start to to move away from this idea of even having configuration management or mutable infrastructure has has separated us away from from these concerns, and it's trying to build that value back in to to what people need to deliver at the end as well. So we kind of have a a, a line that we can try and position people into um, and how far they have got along that that journey because it is a journey and it's not you know we might have if we talk about large organizations there may be part of the organization that is very strong and part that is 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 still um scrambling to keep up or or has no specific need to 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 do so um and so we, we kind of try and look at balancing that across across what's most effective but it's all a all, all a big journey for, for lots of for lots of companies. Yeah, definitely, and it, and it's something that you can spend a lot of time getting right with people. I I guess, and something that needs a lot of uh, understanding with that client to understand why they've why they've done things. Uh, and one of the things that's just crossing my mind actually, and that I guess this might be fairly contentious. I don't I don't know. So I. I completely understand from a technology perspective how you you measure maturity because it's it's very black and white with a product. You know, when it comes to secrets management, for instance, if you're you know if you're not doing secrets management, that's that's a hole in in your security that needs to be uh, plugged and needs to be fixed. Whereas if you are doing it, you're doing a great job, but it's very black and white. Um, and when we were planning this, I can't remember if I said, but uh, we actually do maturity assessments uh, at Vegas Atlantic as well, where, where I work. And uh, I, I think it's very easy for us to do that because we have a set of framework and processes that we would like people to follow uh, yeah. because it's within one organization. But, you know, give, given the very ethos of, of DevOps, much like ITIL is, you pick the bits that work for you and for your organization and customize them slightly to be how you want that to work. When, when you come to measure maturity outside of the areas of technology like people and process, how how is that something that you can measure easily or, or is it done in a slightly different way than you would for technology where it is very black and white? So people and process is a, is a whole, I'm going to say that I don't think before a year or two maybe ago, I was being asked about DevOps, people and process and culture and how that was going to be a driver of value. I think this is um, even so in my, my, my current role, I've been here for, for, for 10 months, I think now. And, and I've had recently people that are bringing HR along to have discussions about DevOps maturity, which I think is really refreshing because I've been in a position where um, I've been a DevOps architect, which I think for me had just meant I was DevOps for everyone. And it becomes a challenge to structure those those teams because technology becomes something that you can easily move between. Whereas if you have an application development team and you are looking to get them to agree with a database team, for example, they are they are already set up with, with totally different goals and trying mm. to bring those two teams into a product team which is you know similar you look at some technology companies and they have if they certainly if they're newer they might have a product team set up but if you look at established companies 
their organizational structure doesn't work like that. Their goal structure doesn't yeah. work like that. Their reporting lines doesn't work like that. So bringing cross-functional teams together is is really, really hard. Now, you can look at how we are doing collaboration. How are you writing projects for other people to find them? This is something I've been dealing with with large organizations where they don't nece- they're not necessarily going to have um, people able to talk to each other but can you build reusable components for other people to to use can you build those those how-to documents so that people can follow your example and build upon you know the shoulders of 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 standing on the shoulders of giants you know build upon what people have already placed before you um and that's where we kind of get into the the culture of you know i I was talking, uh, I was thinking earlier about how do we know that people write effective code? Well, I really like strong readmes. Um, so if you write a, a good readme, you should be able to understand what happens in a project. And if you go and look at a company that has a strong culture of, you know, internal sharing, they have good readmes because that's where people are using to springboard ideas together. Um, especially if they're, they're a large company and they might have internal resources uh, of people who can help them. You know, I, this this comes where we, are we building libraries for, you know, rebuilding those those tools that you want? Um, are we going to architecturally pick a set of tools and then architecture is responsible to, to redistribute these things? And this all becomes part of a, a culture of, of working together um, as opposed to working individually which is is not easy to to measure but i think that often from understanding you know if you if you go through an organization they're using 10 different programming languages that seem like they're solving the same problem like like they they've got a whole windows stack team and a whole python stack team and they've got a java team and and it seems that they're working against each other or or they're re, rebuilding solutions that's always a, a red flag for, for any kind of maturity because it means that they're not able to effectively work together. Does this does this make sense where we're, we're thinking about, you know, maturity in a in a cultural sense of we need to be able to share things? Um, it, it does. It really does, actually. And, and, and that's actually triggered a, a couple of things in my mind. So, you know, first, first of all is, one of the big ethos is around DevOps is you build it, you run it. But it sounds like from you know some of the things you were talking about towards the end there, um, and I want to use like a, a Java team who write Java apps as a, a as an example. Um, you know, I, I guess it's not uncommon these days for for teams to travel together to events and stuff like that and company events. So you know, say say the worst happens and that team that write our Java apps are all of a sudden not around for whatever reason. That build it, you build it, you um, you run it mentality sort of falls apart, I guess, for a little bit because the, there is someone else that needs to go pick up all of that stuff. And, and it kind of sounds like that's, you know, what you're saying from a clarity perspective, that, that that doesn't, you know, you build it, you run it, doesn't always fit well when it comes to a, a level of maturity. Yeah, I mean... It, it's it's a challenge if if we talk about you know internally at 
internally at HeliCloud, we uh, everyone at HeliCloud knows AWS. So that goes that goes without saying. Everyone knows different bits to a certain depth, more or less. Um, but everyone knows something about AWS. Everyone because everyone is interfacing with it um, often um, in the same way that we we do kind of that. Therefore, we can do sharing of our Terraform constructions, um, and and they can become kind of individual units that you could plug into different projects, you know, as a service provider. But that that doesn't actually vary that much when I go and visit large multinational organizations. They often yeah. have a very similar structure of, of I say, well, how are you at the moment um, getting people to, to how, are, how are people requesting EC2s inside AWS, you know, virtual machines? So, and they say, well, they fill out this form. And I say, well, we don't really need to fill out a form. You can get them to write their own Terraform and you just approve the Terraform. And they say, oh, that, yeah, yeah. that kind of works for us. And I say, well, actually, you can provide them with the Terraform and um, they now own this piece of Terraform, but you've a- approved it and you approved the running of it yep. and you, you're managing it centrally. So you're kind of, you've become a product team, but you're still enforcing those, those, those barriers between you that is sometimes, you know, organizational constraints that you can't get around. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, that's, that's part of, in a small company, it doesn't have to be like that because you can, Often, you know, when you're 20, 30 people, you can know everyone and everyone's role changes significantly um, over time. Whereas in, you know, if you're, if you're dealing in, in thousands of people, everyone has their own niche and, and getting everyone to understand what other people do is not easy. Then you need to work on internal documentation, internal marketing, um, being able to effectively tell people how you're doing things. And that, that for me starts to, to hit on how mature you become. You know, you can even go to a conference and see someone from your company present about something that you had no idea your company did. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially in larger organisations, that's that happens all the time. I, I know um, just before um, the coronavirus stuff kicked off and we were in the office, I, I, I remember... Um, doing a, a session it was really high level for for people outside the technology uh at Atlantic actually as to how we were using uh, microsoft Azure as a platform that's our platform a choice from a cloud perspective and you know what we were doing with it what we were using it for and what things they were used to seeing uh, in their day-to-day work were, were built upon that platform and the whole idea of it was to really give people a, a flavor of you know what 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 do we do as a technology team and try and you know get get people to send their ideas in because like every business you know there's so much stuff that we could do um the best people that understand that are the people that do those roles and we wanted them to you know in, engage a little bit more and try and work with us and you know see how we as technology experts could could help them make their jobs better and, and easier by you know things like automation and tooling those kind of things and it was interesting to see actually how many people from technology turned up you know whether they were project managers or you know not non-technical people just to understand a little bit more about the tooling we use and it and that was a really interesting um side of it um which kind of links me a little bit into talking about people a little bit and and one of the other things that you 
mentioned a, a little bit ago was about you know HR or people representatives coming in, into those maturity conversations, and that that's certainly something I've not experienced yet. But like you say, it sounds like a bit of a breath of fresh air in in having those people engaged in those conversations. Is there is there anything you can share about their interactions with those maturity discussions? Um, you know, in terms of what they're thinking is, you know, what what they're looking to get out of the, their attendance to those sessions. Well, I think in terms of HR, they're trying to understand how the organisation is going to need to be structured. So if they're going to have to upskill people, change people's roles, change their reporting lines so that they're able to effectively work in in DevOps teams, um, then then that's, I guess, their their concern is about the, the kind of holistic people view of of the organization how can we get these people to work together when especially traditionally they they often in a large organization don't work together um because yeah. it, it's it's very much a i mean I, i'd probably say that, that i don't like the, the the you build it you run it one I'd, I'd, I'd always try and pivot that to we build it and we'll run it so mm-hmm. um kind of I, I will try and take ownership for for everything that the company will do to a to, to perspective um but but i think that what hr is trying to, to to deliver is how are we going to need to adopt what we do to allow people into these kind of roles you know, it's yeah whether, definitely it's whether we're looking at you know normally I, I present people with two options you've got product teams as an option or you've got better communication between separate teams uh product teams is a culture a, a big cultural change better communications is a different kind of cultural change that you can keep your reporting lines but you have to focus more on communication because you don't have those pre-established teams to just communicate internally you have to find a way you know how can you make it that people know what other people are doing when they don't directly interface with them um so there's there's the two the two things that, that i think that HR and certainly people were dealing with there is how can we get people to talk? Um, I think there was, there was a line in it of how can we make people more like you? And I said, well, the, the big difficulty is that I'm, I'm really interested in what everyone's doing. So I'm interested yep. in what HR is doing. I'm interested in what marketing's doing. I'm, you know, I'm interested in, in, in what finance is doing um, because yep. uh, they're all interesting to me. Um, and, and it's trying to drive that, enthusiasm through as well um so how can we how can we get people enthused about the process how can we sell this process to people who maybe haven't changed their role in in 10 or 12 years um Mm. that's that's a that's a really good point and i i must admit that's certainly one i've not considered but the the value in them being in those sessions i think is huge because you know, I, I wrote uh, an article on Medium a bit ago about about people misunderstanding uh, and using the the phrase DevOps to, you know, don't really like you don't even like saying it, but using it as a mechanism to fire people and move people onto different roles. But one of the things I really loved about how you put their interaction is is so they can understand how things will change. And I guess that's the key thing. If they understand how things will change in the organisation, they can better support it move people to 
better roles, make sure the reporting lines help so that they can, you know, actually achieve um, a level of maturity rather than fail, basically, which is what often happens if there's still this monolithic organisational structure in place. And I, I think that's a really important point to, um, in, you know, just to bring up in the context of the conversation, really, is the fact the fact that they are in those conversations should never be seen as a negative thing. So if you're if you're at one of these organisations and, and you're going through this process of change and, and you see people from HR walking around, uh, you know, generally people um, get the fear of God put into them and that's just going to happen. But the fact that they are taking the time to understand what it means for the organisation is is nothing but a good thing, in my opinion. And I, and I would think from experience where I've been to clients previously that have, have had this and HR have just not understood what's going to happen. And that's resulted in people being deemed to be surplus to requirements and ended up leaving the business. I think if they understand more, this, this sort of thing doesn't happen. Um. I don't know what your opinion is on that, but it certainly feels like there is nothing but a positive outcome to their interaction. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's it's very positive to 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 make sure people are involved in in business change because you know, we are. I guess as a, as someone who works in IT, I sometimes get hung up on you know the the shininess and the detail, and and really we're providing solutions. If that solution works in an, in an Excel spreadsheet, then we don't necessarily need to move it to being, you know, a, a uh, document database if it doesn't need to be. <laughs> yeah. um, and and trying to then find those those right um, ways of dealing with 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 the solutions that we're we're being asked to to deliver. Um, yeah, there's, definitely. There's, there's always the interesting thing of 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 if you want. I mean, my, my relationship has been always if you if you want something doing, you can always uh, make a proposition around finance. So how are we going yeah. to get you know, the, the change that we drive is is about that. Often, can we get either uh, better cost efficiencies or can we drive gr- greater value into the business, which will result in you know greater sales or, or greater customer retention or, or, or anything like that? And can you use, you know, DevOps adoption as a as a way of qualifying that we're going to be able to do kind of financially better or you know people based better and, and and it becomes about business change you know um, and it's things that we expect to do quite a lot I think in uh, I was discussing this last week with someone about IT expecting to change or at least I expect to change all the time because I'm bombarded with you know new versions of things every every three six months there is a new thing on the block that people are asking well would this be appropriate for me and um is this going to save us 10 percent time or is this going to save us 10 percent of on our on our bills and and it has has kind of reinforced into it this really high rate of change but that's not necessarily something that either people are very comfortable with and it's not also something that happens in every aspect of the business, so so some some aspects are, are far more reticent to change or or slow to change. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some there's really good points there. Um, just in the interest of getting some some other burning 
questions and, and topics over. And um, we just want to move on slightly to, yeah. you know, we, we, we've talked a little bit about how we measure maturity and, uh, you know, that being a workshop uh, and I assume there's some uh, documentation output and a, a plan of action, but, yeah, uh, you know, for organisations to get to that next level of maturity, but how how do organisations then get to that next level of maturity from that data that they have? Because, you know, and the reason I ask that is, you know, the amount of work that can be done to get to a specific level of of maturity is, you know, can, can be significant and can be lengthy and can be painful. How, how do you then go back and say, well, you know, if you're telling me you want to get to here um, and you're telling me I need to do A, B and C to get to this level, but that's going to take another one to two years of this, 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 and this to be done. How how do you sell that appetite into the organisation for them to, I guess, carry on that journey and carry on evolving? Because a lot of organisations, I think, I guess, especially the larger ones, will get to a level and think, okay, <laughs> we're done. <laughs> you know, we're we're happy where we are. So so how how do you get the messaging across that it is important to get to that next level? I think that that partly getting through to to people about getting to the next levels, you you have to meet the right people. So that there is a, a certain extent of of any time you're looking to do change, you need to find the right team that's going to be the vanguard of that change, and they have to be working on the right that they have to have the right kind of people in in place. In in for me, enthusiasm trumps everything. Um, so I can teach you about. Um, I can teach you about technology, but I can't infuse people and get them excited mm-hmm. about things if they don't want to be. Um, and then yeah, they have to want to do it, right? Fundamentally, yeah. they have to want to get there. You can't, you can't, you can't force people to forcing people to change is really, really difficult. Um, but but convincing people to change, then you kind of try and find the right ways of convincing them. Whether it's we're going to reduce the cycle time, we're going to increased stability we're going to make sure that you know um there's there's no security issues or less security issues uh, that you're going to face however that determines and you also have to have from from high level management and a certain level where where they will give confidence to the people that are are going to to do this so you need your your you know executive sponsors to be um behind you um, in terms of supporting it so you found a vanguard team you make sure they're enthusiastic you get executive sponsors and then you go and and prove that the value that you're going to derive um, and that should be if if executed successfully a, so to some extent a repeatable pattern so we're then looking at can we repeat these patterns in similar business units product teams or or can we look at changing slightly for another business unit or, or product team you know um go go for my my normal effort is we're going, we're going for a proof of concept we want to go with something that lots of people interface with so it gets you know uh, appropriate sign off that it's not a, it's not a risky application so um we're, we're not risking change at the first first try because failure at the first at the first try you know total failure doesn't instill confidence in anyone you want to try and build those those, that confidence and resilience into people and you have to be resilient to do any kind of change because change is really hard um and and then just trying to 
to make sure that that can keep going and can we give people the tools to to do this themselves can we try and teach them to to be able to to be effective going forwards for and for the bits that they don't need to learn can we do it for them or provide them with the necessary resources that 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 job is not required over and over again um so yeah i guess that's probably how how you look at, at structuring those the start of changes and how you look to build change over and over again um mm. and it's not something that's uncommon you know in businesses no, they, you you constantly have to evolve yeah of course you do yeah and i, I mean i guess and you're and you're completely right like businesses have evolved to just do a lot of this stuff without really thinking it's just it seems like when it comes to something like devops they need that push <laughs> to be able to you know realize you know that they can get to a, another level quite quickly potentially and it will you know mean these differences and i i guess you know you touched on it a, a couple of times in there really but it's about people wanting to do it themselves and that applies to you know so, so many things in life really outside of businesses as well um i think probably the most common things people's fitness regimes you have to want to do it to do it um for the most part but then you know second to that as well i guess it's around making sure that people uh, again understand the value of you know what what what's it going to mean from their business to go from level a to level b uh and you know what why is it worth that effort and it's really bringing them on that journey um again so that they understand uh, exactly what they're going to get out of it but uh, fundamentally you could still do all that and if they don't want to do it then <laughs> I, I guess it doesn't happen yeah i mean you you hope that the process in, in engages them sufficiently to 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 go forward with that change and it is it is something that that everyone will have to do you know um we will not operate in 20 years as we operate today so when i talk about you know um, the end of some kind of uh some kind of maturity assessment and i say well we you've got to a level 5 or well, level 5 will be 5 after 20 in 20 years time we 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 we're n- never going to reach that end but what we're looking to do is you know people are going to expect more and faster and more efficient and more uh you know more cost optimization brought into it um and and that's going to be the difference for, for people going forwards as well um mm. yeah definitely um okay so so just last point to finish off on then um so so we've we've talked quite a lot there about you know what what maturity is how we actually measure it some different topics within there as well and why it's important to um, go down this journey and, and really try and extend your capabilities, I guess, and, and your level of what you're doing and and how we get to that next level and, and how we measure it, obviously. Um, yeah. Why would you say, just to finish off, why is it important to understand your level of maturity? Why, why would you recommend doing a workshop or an engagement like this rather than just... You know, do do what you can from the resources you have, and get to a point that you know works well for your organisation. What's the what's the biggest value in understanding that level of maturity? I think the big the big value is by understanding your maturity, you can look to best use those resources and minimise to some extent the the risk um, that you're you're moving forwards. There's 
And something I said earlier about experience that you that you will need to make your own experience and you can buy in some experience. You can you know, hire someone who who has has worked through similar changes. Um, but you are always going to need to make experience yourselves to be able to to improve how you work. And, and this is all about you know process improvement. And so really what. You know, when I come in and, and do a workshop about trying to do, do uh, maturity assessments and maturity improvements is here's where you are today. You have numerous paths that you can move forwards on. These are the ones that I, I know are for an organization that's similar to you and with the kind of uh, applications that you're running are going to be the best way for, for you to start off. And we can bring some of the other areas with that. Um, and if there's any specific things that you are really keen on you know, deploying, we can look at uh, bundling them together because all of these aspects are, are complementary to each other. And that's really where I think the, the value comes from is that you can get people in who have done it before and have been through some of the pain. Um, as with anything, you know, um, generally speaking, we wouldn't uh, we we improve our experience to get a better understanding of when we're moving in the right direction and being able to start moving in the right direction just gives you the best way to be able to keep going and accelerate that so that's why i probably talk about it being a value to people because you know we're looking to be on the journey we want to go there and uh, stably securely we want it to be repeatable for other people and, and bring all of that that extra value that that we know is available to people uh, and just start to deliver it back into to the, the business's solutions. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Great, great point. And, um, it's, a it's actually a, a good place to wrap things up. Um, we're, we're out of time. Um, uh, and this is like most of the podcasts I've done seem to, uh, done, they seem to go very quickly. Um, so I just want to take this opportunity to, um, Thank you, Will, for your expertise Thank on the you. subject, to thoughts and comments. No, very, very glad to have you on, uh, and hopefully um, there's another uh, topic that we can link up with in the, uh, in the future. Um, so, yeah, thank you again for your uh, time and expertise. Um, so just to let you know what is happening next week. So it will be episode six next week. Um, uh, and we talked about it a little bit earlier on. So I'm going to be talking about the concept of um, shift left within DevOps. Um, so what are the benefits of doing it? What do we actually mean by shift left? Um, why should we do it? What are the common things that we can do and, and how do we act, actually look to do it? Uh, and we're also going to talk a little bit about shift right as well. There are some instances where we might want to move work to, to another direction as well. Um, so for next week's episode, I'm going to be joined by uh, Ravi Lachman, who is a technical evangelist with uh, Harness. And we'll be discussing that in uh, detail and, and much more and obviously getting his view on what does DevOps mean to him as well. Um, but for this episode, um, that wraps us up. So thank you again, everyone, for listening. Uh, and for the last time, thanks, Will, for taking the time to join us. Thank you.